here in your house. We thank you, Father, as we bow before you tonight that we are found in Christ. We thank you, Father, as we bow before you tonight that we have so many blessings that you have bestowed upon us today. Father, the breath that we breathe, the food that has been on our table, the clothes that are on our back, the freedom to meet in this place and to open your precious word and to hear from it. And for all these temporal things, we return on to your thanks. Father, your word tells us, the psalmist says, it is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. And so, Father, we return our praise and our thanks to you tonight. You're the great God. You're the sovereign of the universe. Father, you're worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our adoration. And, Father, we thank you that we, as we sit here this evening, that, Father, we've been redeemed with the precious blood of the Lamb. We thank you, Father, that the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary. We could never thank you enough for the Savior who came. And Father, we thank you that he is a living Savior. And today he is sat at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And Father, we praise and thank you tonight that he is there making petitions for us. Father, as we meet in this place tonight, we thank you, Father, that you are here present with us. That, Father, you're in our midst. And Father, we pray that we will know the presence of Almighty God in our meeting. Father, we thank you that you have promised that when your word is open, that Father, you speak to us. And Father, your precious word will be read in this place this evening. We thank you, Father, that we find it here in our laps, in our own language. We thank you, Father, for the understanding we have with the aid of the Spirit of God. And Father, we pray that indeed that your word would find a resting place in each of our hearts tonight. That, Father, as your word is proclaimed, as your word is preached, that, Father, indeed you would speak to each of us. Father, as we bow in your presence tonight, you know each burden, you know each concern that has been carried through the door. And, Father, we thank you that we've been singing that lovely truth already, that our Saviour, he is a rock in a weary land. Father, we thank you for the rock in which we stand. We thank you, Father, that David was able to say at the end of his struggle, struggles with Saul that he was able to say the Lord is a rock and a shelter and a high tower. And we thank you, Father, that he was able to look back and see your hand upon his life. And Father, we just pray for those who are in the midst of the storm tonight. Oh God, we pray indeed that you will minister your comfort into their hearts. That, Father, they would rely wholly on you in these difficult days in the valley. And, Father, we pray that one day soon they'll be able to look back and see your hand upon them. And, Father, able to praise you and say, great is thy faithfulness. Father, we thank you for this time. And, Father, we thank you indeed for the health we have to be here. But, Father, there are those who would love to be sat in this place tonight. And this evening they're unable to due to ill health. Maybe, Father, just old age and infirmities have taken over. And, Father, we just pray for your blessing upon them this evening. Oh, God, we pray that they will know your presence with them. That, Father, they will know, indeed, that your people are praying for them. And, Father, indeed, that they will know the everlasting arms of our God wrapped around them in these days. Keep them close to you, O oh God. And, Father, we just pray, indeed, that even just now, that they will know a special sense of your presence. Father, we just pray indeed in all things this evening that we all glory and honour will be brought to your name. Father, from the proclamation of your word to later on as we meet around the throne of grace, 
Oh, Father, we just pray that this will be a great night. And Father, we pray all this for your glory. And in the precious Savior's name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, let me at this stage just give a number of announcements for the incoming weekend. Let me welcome you to our Bible study this evening, to the book of Nehemiah. We're turning to the book of Nehemiah, please, and the chapter 1. Thanks, Amy. Nehemiah chapter 1, please. And we're going to read just the full chapter this evening. And we're starting our new series, Building Together. And this evening we're thinking under this study title, Who Really Cares? Who Really Cares? Nehemiah, please, in the chapter 1. And we'll read from the verse 1. And this is the word of the Lord. And it reads, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. And it came to pass in the month of Shizlu, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, and, and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven, and said, and here's Nehemiah's prayer, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servants which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel thy servants and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye return unto me, and keep my commandments, and do them, though there whereof you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power, and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name. And prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts this evening. During his pres presidency, it really seemed like Donald Trump was never off the news for many reasons. In fact, in recent weeks, he's been back on the news as his house was raided there just a number of weeks ago. But in 2018, while he was in, in office, it was his wife who stole the headlines on one occasion. 
She was pictured getting into one of the presidential cars wearing a jacket that said, I really don't care, do you? Generally, the jacket received a negative response and a New York illustrator, uh, he decided to respond with an image of the Statue of Liberty and inscribed in the back of the Statue of Liberty read, we should all really care. We should all really care. This picture, it went viral, and you can see it all over the internet if you were to do a quick search this evening. But dear brothers and sisters, this evening, this is the question that is, we are faced with as we study this first chapter of Nehemiah. The question that we must ask is, do I really care? Do we really care? Do I really care about the glory and the honor I give to God with my life? Do I really care about upholding the faith? Do I really care about my brothers and sisters around me and the church of God forever afield? Do I really care about my own congregation, my own local church where the Lord has placed me? Do I really care not to gossip about my brother or sister in Christ? Do I care enough to stand on the ordinances and commands set out in God's holy word? Do I really care? This evening as we approach the character of Nehemiah and as we study his life over the next number of Wednesday evenings, we will find a man who really cared. Nehemiah was a man who built for the Lord. And surely that is our goal here at Grange Baptist. To build for the Lord. To stand as a gospel witness and a gospel light for the Lord. We're going to be considering this book as we've mentioned under the title, Building Together. And this evening we'll think about this title, Who Really Cares? Wearsby states that Nehemiah was a man who cared about the traditions of the past and the needs of the present. He cared about the hopes of the future. He cared about his heritage. He cared about his ancestral city. That's the holy city, Jerusalem, and the glory of his God. And true it is in these days that we must care about the traditions of the past. How we must stand firm in the faith. How we must stand firm in the doctrines that are taught in God's word that have been taught by our fathers before us. But we also must think today how we can reach a society, a post-church society in many, many ways. You know, I'm sure you've heard it said when people are trying to come up with ideas, maybe about the church, they might grumble and complain and say, well, what this church needs is, or they might say in a national or political context, if I were running the country, if I were prime minister, or if I were president, I would do A, B, C, and on the list goes, and they know exactly how they would sort the country out. Or a more common one that we might hear would be if, if that were my child, I know what I would do with them. But we're surrounded by people who we can class as gripers and complainers, self-proclaimed prophets or backseat drivers who think they know everything, but they're not in the driving seat. I think all of us would acknowledge in our sinful, fallen humanity but it's very easy for all of us to analyze and to scrutinize and to talk about all the problems of the world or even in the church. But what the hour in which Nehemiah lived needed 
And what our day needs are not people who will discuss the problems of the church, but people who will get up and do something about them. That is the need of the hour. People who really care. This evening we're going to explore why the Lord used Nehemiah. And we're going to explore these through asking three questions. Now it's not very often I give my points at the start. So this is a bonus for you this evening. Firstly, we're going to ask the question, do I care enough to be burdened? Do I care enough to be burdened for God's people and his work? The second question we're going to ask this evening, this evening is do I care enough to follow my knees and pray for God's people and his work? And the final question we're going to ask this evening is do I care enough to be moved in the action? Do I care enough to serve? God's people and to serve God and his work. We'll deal with these one question at a time. The first question we're going to ask is, do I care enough to be burdened? Let's read verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. And it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan, the palace. When we first meet Nehemiah, he's serving as a cupbearer to the Persian king, Ataxerxes. And we find that at the beginning of chapter 2. We find that he's serving Ataxerxes. And Nehemiah, he was a Jew, of course, but he was a cupbearer to the king. And the cupbearer would have held quite a lot of importance in those days. He would have advised the king on the affairs that were going on in the land. So Nehemiah, even though he had been exiled, part of the exile that had been taken out of Jerusalem, he had brought himself to a good position in serving the king. He was in a comfortable job. And he was there and serving and advising the king. And he would have been in living in great comfort. But here in our passage, we read of the visit of his brother, Hanani, who brings the news of that the walls of Jerusalem have broken down. Now, the book of Nehemiah tells the story of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. I feel before we go any further in our studies that we need to understand the significance of ancient walls and their function in those old cities. I think it's important to understand this as we embark on our studies. You know, if you could consider just for a moment Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 8. This is the words that we read in Deuteronomy 22 verse 8. It says, When thou buildest a new house, then thou shalt make a battlement or a wall for thy roof, that thou bring not blood upon thine house if any man fall from fence. So what that verse was telling the people of Israel was when they were building a house on the roof, which would have been flat, where the people would have lived, they were advised to build this wall of protection around the roof of the house. To protect their family. This verse is taken from the law in Deuteronomy. And I think it does help us understand the significance of walls in the Old Testament. And even in the New Testament. You see, this place on the roof where they built the wall around. It provided a place of communion. It was a place of retirement. 
We read in 1 Samuel in chapter 9 that Samuel, he communed with Saul upon the top of the house. It was a place of communion where people would get away from the family or get away from the affairs of business and they could commune and speak with one another about intimate details. It was a place of communion. It was a place of retirement. We read quite humorously for some in Proverbs 21 verse 9, it is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. The idea of retirement, getting away from it all, whatever all might be. It was a place of communion. It was a place of retirement. It was a place of prayer. You see, we read in Acts chapter 10 and verse 9 that Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour because you could get away from all the noise and you probably would be under out under the sky and you would see the wonders of nature and maybe even feel nearer to God. You remember the Lord, he often went up the mountain to pray. But in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 27, we also read that the housetop, it was a place of testimony. It was a place of testimony. The Lord Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10 verse 27, What ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. It was a place to stand up and to be heard and to hold some news, whether that be good or bad. But what I want you to see, and this is the importance of the wall, there was a living space there on the top of the house. And it was protected by this wall that that had to build around. But if that wall was neglected, or if it wasn't preserved, that special place, that special place of communion, of retirement, of prayer, of testimony, would very quickly become a dangerous place, even a fatal place, if the wall wasn't maintained. And I believe the same concept can be applied to the walls of Jerusalem. You may ask, why is Nehemiah so upset about broken walls? Well, those walls of Jerusalem, they would have acted as a form of protection to allow the children of Israel to cultivate their spiritual lives without the threat of outside attacks. Of course, in Old Testament times, the temple was there in Jerusalem, and that was the dwelling place of God. It was a spiritual city. And it was the holy city. And the walls acted not just as protection physically for the Israelite people, but spiritually. And considering this, surely then, as believers, we should be building walls to protect us from the attacks of the devil. These are disciplines that we're supposed to have as the children of God. Reading God's word. Prayer daily before God. Baptism, witnessing, fellowship one with the other, the breaking of bread, the prayer meeting, and the list could go on and on. These disciplines are set out for us in the New Testament to help us grow in a closer relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me ask you this evening, as we consider these spiritual walls, I wonder how is your building looking tonight? How's your walls looking? Are they crumbling? Or are they well protected? I want you to notice that this moment that Nehemiah's brother came along, it was a life-changing moment. 
because Nehemiah was gripped with the emotion of it because these walls were so significant. This was the city of God. And the walls were broken down. But I want you to see that it was just another day. It was just a regular conversation. But it was a life-changing moment in Nehemiah's life. And I want to tell you, dear believer, tonight that great life-changing events, when it comes to the Lord, can swing on very small hinges. It was just another day, you know, when Moses went out to care for his sheep. But on that day, he heard the call of the Lord to become a prophet. It was just an ordinary day when David was called home from shepherding the flock. And it was on that day that he was anointed to be the king. It was just an ordinary day when Peter, Andrew, James and John were out mending their nets after a night of failure. But that's when the Lord Jesus called them to be fishers of men. Ordinary days can become extraordinary days when God is in it. But what about Nehemiah? His brother comes along. You can see the conversation here in scripture. His brother comes along and there's just a normal conversation. Nehemiah is asking about Jerusalem. How are things there in Jerusalem? But as his brother answers, his brother speaks of the utter destruction of the walls of Jerusalem. How the holy city is lying in a mess. You would think to yourself, why would Nehemiah care? He's miles away, sitting in this place of authority. He's well respected. Why would he care about Jerusalem? But he's burdened by the news. And in verse 4 we read, and it came to pass. This is Nehemiah speaking. I listen to these words. And it came to pass, when I heard these words... That Then I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. It's clear by Nehemiah's intensely emotional reaction that this news, it concerns him. And his concerns that didn't, his priorities, they didn't lie with his job there in Persia. It didn't lie in his position that he had made it to. That didn't matter to him all that mattered to Nehemiah was achieving the purpose of God and being available to the Lord in his life. His job didn't matter. Nothing mattered. Everything fell to nothing in comparison to the purpose of God in his life. I wonder when we look at the broken walls of the modern 21st century church, which God has inspired and instructed his people to build, wonder does it concern you when we see the state of disrepair? wonder does it concern you that we have allowed the walls to crumble around us? wonder are we burdened like Nehemiah? You know, as I've studied this passage and considered it, the questions that the church, that I need to ask myself individually, that you need to ask yourself individually, and collectively we must ask is, where are the Nehemiahs? Where are those who fall and weep and mourn and pray and fast before the God of heaven? Where are they today? Let me challenge you to look around you today and see how things really are in reality. Accept the truth about the walls around you and the truth about your own situation. I wonder, are you aware of any broken down walls in your life? Maybe the walls of your devotional life? 
Maybe your family unit. Maybe our local church. I wonder, is there something that you and I should be grieving at the moment? A ruin maybe we're not prepared to acknowledge. Nehemiah's burden led him to weep and mourn and fast and pray. And before he even begins rebuilding the crumbling walls, we find a man burdened. Nehemiah was burdened. Do you care enough to be burdened? The second question you must ask this evening is, do I care enough to pray? You see, we see that Nehemiah prayed. And in the book of Nehemiah, the first six, cha six chapters, they deal with the reconstruction of Jerusalem's walls. And the last seven chapters deal with the reinstitution of the people of God and the following of the law of God. And you know, this required good leadership. There are many people who will try and tell you what makes a good leader. In fact, I did a Google search to find out what Google tells you. Google tells you that you need to be honest and you have to have integrity and you have to be able to inspire others and you need commitment and you need good communication and you need good decision-making skills and on the list goes. And yes, these are all great qualities to have. And of course, a leader needs to have these qualities. But the question we must consider is, what was it that made Nehemiah a good leader? What was it that made Nehemiah God's man? What was it that made Nehemiah God's man in the hour of need? Well, the answer, he was a man of prayer. Nehemiah didn't rush to the king. You know, there he was in Persia. He hears of the broken down walls. And there his boss is there, King Ataxerxes. And he didn't just rush into the presence of the king and says, I need to go. I need to get away from here. There's a problem at home and I need to get away. That's not what he did. He knew his place. He didn't go to the king. He went straight to the king of kings. I wonder as God's people, are we quick to make decisions? Or do we come before the Lord and leave our lives in his hands? You know, Hudson Taylor, that famous missionary to China, when talking about the journey of the Christian said, you must go forward on your knees. You must go forward on your knees. Here in the person of Nehemiah, we certainly find a man who went forward on his knees. In this short book, this prayer that we read in chapter 1 from verse 5 to the end is the first of 12 records that we find of Nehemiah praying. Nehemiah was a good leader because he was a man of faith who depended wholly on the Lord to help him accomplish the work that he was called to do. Dear brothers and sisters, as we look at this passage, we don't even see just that Nehemiah merely prayed. We've already said how he sat down, wept, mourned, fasted and prayed, but look how often he did it. He did it day and night. Look at verse 6. Nehemiah is praying and he says, Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now, day and night. He prayed all day and he prayed all night. When was the last time I did that? When was the last time you did that? He prayed weeping. When was the last time that we truly wept over the spiritual state of the church? 
When was the last time we truly wept when we looked out our front door and we see neighbors on their way to a lost eternity, family on their way to a lost eternity? When was the last time you really wept? He fasted and he prayed and he, he, he was so burdened and you can see a man that's completely broken and he's before the Lord weeping and he's praying day and night and day and night. But even not even that it was just day and night. I want you to see how long he prayed for. It was for four full months. Notice verse 1. In the first chapter, he began praying about the issue in the month of Chislu, which is the month of December for us. And you go to chapter 2 and verse 1, and it says that in the month of Nisan, his answer came. And that's the space of December and then Nisan, April. Four months, day and night, weeping, crying, fasting, praying to the Lord, calling out to him. How rare it is to see those who break down and weep for the desolation of broken down walls in the 21st century church. But for that long, there's no longer weeping and mourning in these days. We seem to be happy enough to watch the church fall down all right now. We don't seem to care about the decline in revival power anymore. And the devil is making fearful inroads of, inroads of worldliness the local church today. People are so blind and they can't see how low the spiritual state of Christians are as are in the present day. With no heart to mourn. Nehemiah mourned over the state of Jerusalem. God's dwelling place. I wonder if we care about God's dwelling place today. You know, we'll look at this in a future week. I love what happens with King of Taxerces. Nehemiah says nothing, you know that? Absolutely nothing. King of Taxerces looks at him. And essentially, to put it in our language, he says, What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Do you know what was wrong? Nehemiah was so deeply moved by the news that he'd started the book already. Because prayer is the rule. It's the only work in preparation for doing God's work. Before a finger had been lifted to begin rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, Nehemiah had started the work of his knees 700 miles away. That's where the work started. Chuck Swindle says very revealingly,
Do we care enough to be moved into action? Nehemiah didn't only see the state of dereliction and then make supplication for divine power, but he made a sacrificial act of devotion. He was willing to go. Here am I. Send me. I'm sure he enjoyed the security. I'm sure he enjoyed the comfort of the palace. I'm sure he enjoyed the prestige of being the king's cupbearer. But you know something? His love for God was greater than any of those things. And he was willing to pay the ultimate price and give himself the task that he so needed to be done. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20, we read these words. Ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Dear child of God, we've been ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Christ has paid the ultimate price for our redemption. Christ has given everything for us. Surely it's not a big ask for us to give everything back to him. Dear believer, maybe your walls have been fired down by the devil. Maybe the bulldozer's been there and the walls are flattened already. Maybe this evening before you start worrying about the church, you need to start rebuilding your own walls before you worry about anybody else. Maybe you need to remove those things from your life that are acting as battering rams, breaking your spiritual walls down. But let me tell you, we need more Nehemiahs in the church today who pray and move into action. Yes, there's plenty of people around who can spot the problems. But there's a lot less who are praying and doing something about them. I wonder, is this the wake-up call that you needed? <coughs> is it time to do something? Is it time to start really caring? Don't waste your time here and there not caring. Must I go? Empty-handed. Thus my dear Redeemer me. Not one day of service gave him. Lay no trophy at his feet. O ye saints, arise. Be earnest. Up and work while yet this day. Ere the night of death overtake thee. Strive for souls. While still you may. Father, we thank you for your word this evening. So often it comes as a challenge to our hearts. And Father, truly today as we look around us, we do see broken walls in many places. Maybe, Father, it is even in our own individual lives. God, we remember how the Saviour is in the crowd of compassion. Father, give us a love for your people and give us a love for lost sinners. But Father, we just pray that you would give us a heart to care for your work. So often, Father, we can be caught going through the motions. 
And Father, we pray that by your Spirit you would give us a real burden again. Father, we're sinning. The devil has been acting as a battering ram. Oh God, we pray that you will be with us. Father, this evening we claim the blood once more. And Father, we thank you that the blood of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sin. Oh God, we pray that you would help us to begin rebuilding those walls. There's a wee assembly here as we begin to look and study through this book of Nehemiah. We pray that you would be pleased to build something special here over the coming months, over the coming years. That, Father, we would see you move in ways that never matter. That, Father, you would see it, that you would fall by your spirit in this wee part of your vineyard. And that, Father, we would see so many coming to know Christ as Savior. But not just that, Father, but we as your church would burn with passion and fire. Father, we remember the two in the road to Amaze. And Father, when the Savior spoke with them, they reminisced and they said, Did not our hearts burn within us? Oh, Father, give us that. Give us that burning heart that we will serve you. Father, as we come to a time of prayer just now, we just pray for your help. We pray, Father, that we will praise your name because you're worthy to be praised. But Father, we have so much to bring before your throne tonight. And Father, we just pray that you will be pleased to hear and to answer our prayers. And we pray this in the Saviour's name. Amen.